You know, when I was a kid, tell you a little bit about myself, um, I, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church. Anybody else have a drug problem when they were a kid? Um, and, and if you if you didn't, uh, you know, I, that was a pretty cool thing for me. Um, I, I didn't have a choice. You know, my parents took me to church. In the South, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's cultural. You go to church. Um, but on the back side of that, there's always a story. My dad, uh, he, he had a drinking problem. He was an alcoholic uh, my whole life growing up. He he eventually came to faith in Jesus, and God delivered him from alcoholism, and he passed away a few years ago. My mom, uh, she has always struggled with anxiety, and so as she got older, her anxiety just got worse, and she's 85 now. A few years ago, we had, this is my great godly mother, we had to detox my mother off anti-anxiety medications, and she literally had to go detox off of that. And I, I began to see firsthand what addiction and anxiety and fear and depression can do to somebody because I've had it myself. How about you? I've struggled with, with that. I think we all have. And so what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to have a lot of notes. You can, if you've got a bulletin there, you can pull that out. And I want to encourage you to take notes. If you don't have a pen, just prick your finger. And I'm really, really glad that you're here. I actually, I'll be honest with you, I believe God brought you here today because with no air conditioning, you know it had to be God that brought you in this house today. And so I'm going to ask you if you would just for a few moments just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask God just to bless this, this message. Father, we thank you that you are in charge and that, God, you have a plan. You have a purpose for us being here today. And I ask, Father, that you would speak to us during this time together. And that, God, I know you have something for every single person in this room. And I ask you to bless this time we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, please don't go to sleep. Please don't go. I know it's hot. It's, that's... So if you see somebody nodding off, even if you don't know them, kick them in Jesus' name, okay? You got my permission. There are things in life that I just completely don't understand. One is Pokemon, okay? I don't understand Pokemon. I've got a six-year-old grandson named Jack, and he, he collects Pokemon cards. I can't make head or tails of Pokemon cards. I don't know. And actually, I don't want to know anything about Pokemon cards. I'll tell you another thing I don't understand is opera. If you're an opera singer, God bless you. I don't understand. I, I get the grand old opera, but I don't, I don't understand opera. But the biggest thing in life I don't understand is me. I don't understand why I do some of the things that I do. I don't understand why I think some of the things that I think. I mean, you would think as I've gotten a little bit older in life, I would get better, but that's not always the case because what I've found is my biggest enemy in life is not the devil. My biggest enemy in life is me. In fact, when God saved my soul, he saved my soul, but he didn't save my flesh. I'm still struggling with my flesh. How about you? I think all of us in this room know what it's like to have struggles. In fact, we can go back a couple thousand years and we see a guy named Paul who said, the things I don't want to do are the very things that I do. That's my story, right? That's your story. And so we're all going to have our struggles. And I put up on the screen, I want you to grab this, that most of our struggles in life, most of our struggles actually come because we listen to ourselves rather than listening to God. 
we listen to ourselves rather than listening to God. And so today, what we're going to look at is we're going to talk about how we can be honest with ourselves. Oftentimes, we lie to ourselves. We rationalize. You know how, what rationalize means? It means we tell ourselves rational lies. We tell rational lies. In fact, we're going to go through, and, and this is not going to be in your notes, but you can write it down. We're going to go through the seven weapons of self-destruction. Now, there are weapons of mass destruction. We still haven't found them, right? But we're going to look at the seven weapons of self-destruction because there are things that come against you and come against me that discourage us, that cause anxiety, that cause depression, that cause us a lot of unneeded pressure in our life. So I'll put seven up on the screen just a moment. We're going to go through them one at a time. The first one, you can just write the first one down, is shame. The first one is shame. I believe you can't be full of joy and full of shame at the same time. You can't be full of joy and full of shame at the same time. When you feel shame, when you've got guilt, you've got remorse, it robs you of happiness. That's not God's plan for your life. In fact, Jesus went to the cross to take away your shame. The first weapon of self-destruction is shame. Number two, the second one is uncontrollable thoughts. Uncontrollable thoughts. If we don't learn to control our thoughts, our life is going to get out of control. I want you to grab this. In fact, you can write this down. The, one of the things that I've learned in life is what captures your attention captures you. What captures your attention captures you. Let me take it a step further. What captures your attention captures your emotions. So we have to be careful what we think because the Bible tells us as a man thinks, so is he. I may not be what I think I am, but as I think... I am. Uncontrollable thoughts. When our thoughts get out of control, our life gets out of control. Number three, this one's huge too, y'all, is compulsions. Compulsions are those inner drives. Those things that we know, I shouldn't be looking at this. I shouldn't be doing this. This is not healthy. This is not good. I just can't stop. It's a compulsion. We all have them. It's a weapon of self-destruction. Number four is fear. Fear will limit your life. Fear will rob you of purpose. It will rob you of your potential. I don't know if you know the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. It does feel real. Fear is a weapon of self-destruction. Number five is hopelessness. Hopelessness will cause you to throw in the towel. You throw in the towel on your hopes, on your career, on your dreams. Ultimately, if you get hopeless enough, you may even end your own life. It's a weapon of self-destruction. Another one is bitterness. Bitterness. There, there's nothing healthy in hate. There's no goodness in a grudge. And all it does is make you miserable. Doesn't solve the past, doesn't do anything for the future. All it does is make me miserable. And by the way, everybody around me today. And lastly, the seventh weapon of self destruction is insecurity. Now we got to deal with this one. Because if we don't get a grip on security, we'll become a poser. And the only people impressed with posers are other posers. The only people impressed with fakers are other fakers. So, one of the things we're going to look at today is how we can overcome. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8. 
Because that's really where we're going to look at the seven habits to overcome the seven weapons of self-destruction. I had a guy tell me recently, Pastor Dickie, I'm trying to overcome. He, he told me what he's trying to overcome. He said, I've tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed. He said, so I'm going to try something different. This is what the gentleman told me. He said, I'm going to get hypnotized. I said, really? I was just curious, how much, brother, how much is that going to cost? $1,500. Come on, everybody, $1,500. I said, brother, I, I knew this guy pretty well. I said, brother, you're wasting your money. You're actually, you're wasting your money. You could get a nice sleeve for $1,500. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to look today in Romans chapter 8, which I consider one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. In fact, they did a survey of these great theologians, and they asked them if they were on a deserted island and only could have one chapter of the Bible, what would that chapter be? You know, overwhelmingly, it was Romans chapter 8. Because I believe Romans chapter 8 today, for you and I, are going to help us have some keys to overcome those weapons of self-destruction. So what are those keys? Let's look at it. Number one, the first key is this. I must preach the gospel to myself. I must preach the gospel to myself. That, that, that really is a starting point. As, as a follower of Jesus, we all can still struggle with shame and guilt and remorse and bitterness but then we read Romans chapter 8, Ken, and verse 1 that says this. Let's read this out loud together. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Somebody put their hands together for that verse. That's a great verse, y'all. That's an amazing verse. You know what that means? That means he paid your time, paid for your crime. And actually, when you begin to look at it, you begin to see it doesn't matter what you did five years ago or what you're going to do five years from now. Jesus paid it all. Verse 2, for the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. That means I've got something more powerful in me than willpower. I've got God's power. I've got a new sheriff in town. Verse 3, the law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. I asked a guy once, where do you, where do you think you're going to spend eternity? There's not a better question to know the answer to than that. Where do you think you're going to spend eternity? He said, bro, I'm going to heaven. I said, well, just curious, what are you basing that on? What, what do you think is going to get you there? And here's what he told me. He said, I keep the Ten Commandments. God says he keeps the Ten Commandments. I don't even know why I asked him. I said, well, brother, could you tell me the Ten Commandments? Y'all, he can name like four of them, okay? He, brother can name like four of them. I said, bro, you can't keep them if you don't know them. And by the way, keeping laws don't change you. That's why, uh, you know, you talk about politics. It doesn't matter who we put in the White House. It ain't going to change your heart. Come on, y'all. I mean, you can't pass a law that's going to make somebody turn into a nice person or quit being a racist or hateful or mean. Why? Because it's a heart issue, and only God can change the heart. Verse 3, he goes on to say, But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. 
God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Why? Why did He do this? Here it is. He did this so the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. So if you were to die tonight... And God were to ask you, did you keep my commandments? You can look at Jesus and say, no, he did. I did. I didn't, but he did. Because, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to heaven because of what I've done. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for me. That's called grace. Number one, if we're going to get through what we're going through, overcome the fear and anxiety because I really believe we, we live in the United States of anxiety. Number one, we got to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Number two, I ask the Holy Spirit, I ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts. Will he? Absolutely. Absolutely he will. Let's check out what he says in verse two. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds Set. So you get to choose what you think. You can choose to think on something that is bitter. You can think on something that is beautiful. It's your choice. They have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. What do I call I call that the principle of replacement. I'll put up on the, on the screen, if you want to change something in your life, you don't resist it, you replace it. You don't resist it, you replace it. I've had people tell me, I can't help what I think. Right? I mean, oftentimes you can't always help what goes through your mind. No, and I can't help every bird that flies over my head, but I can keep them from making a nest in my hair. In fact, God has given you the power to be able to choose your thoughts like you choose your minds. Because where your thoughts go, your life goes. Where your mind goes, your life goes. So if you want to change your life, you've got to change your thoughts. If you want to change your thoughts, you've got to change what you put in your mind. For the Bible tells us, as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. Number three, the third principle. If you and I are going to overcome anxiety, fear, depression, these things are coming against us. Number three, I realize I have a new ability to be able to say no. This is powerful, y'all. I have to remind myself every day that I can say no. So let's practice it. Would you look at your neighbor right now and just say no? Just say no. Just, that's, a, that's a holy word. No. You've been wanting to tell your neighbor no anyway for a long time. No. Before Jesus, there were things I honestly, uh, Pastor Jared, I couldn't say no to. And I'll tell you why. Because my will didn't have enough power. But now... I've got a new power inside of me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Let the Spirit direct your lives. And here it is, y'all. And you will not, you will not satisfy the desires of your old human nature. 
do I have the same temptations that I did when I was 21 years old? You better believe I do. Do I have the same compulsions and tendencies towards sin as I did when I was 27 years old? You better believe I do, but I've got a new power in me. Well, Pastor, this desire I have is just natural, right? So it can't be bad if it's natural. Look look at me, y'all. I've got a natural desire. I'm from the South. I've got a natural desire to eat a bucket of chicken. That's still not good. I mean, arsenic is natural, all right? But you don't need to drink it. Just because it's natural doesn't mean it's good. God has set me free from my compulsions. I have, and I'm not, I'm not glorifying myself, I have a new ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to the things that are destructive in my life. Number four, I hope this is helping you today. I need to turn my thoughts to God when I am afraid. This is key, particularly when we're struggling with anxiety and fear because they're kissing cousins. Number four, I need to turn my thoughts to God when I am afraid. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 to 16 says this, Those who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. For the Spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead... The Spirit makes you God's children, and by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father, God's Spirit joins Himself to our spirits to declare that we are God's children. I'm telling you, that that verse gets me happy. I'm I'm about to do a backflip up here, y'all. When our kids were little, little, my son Noah's here with me today, they get spooked. You know, particularly when we watch a horror movie. Do not watch Pet Cemetery when you're seven years old. Okay, don't do don't do that. That's not that's not kosher. But they would I'd hear them sometimes in the middle of the night cry out after watching a horror movie, Daddy, Daddy. That's exactly what we need to cry out when we're afraid. In fact, I put up on the screen, I want you to grab this, write this down. Stop focusing on your fear. Start focusing on your father. Remember what I told you? Whatever captures your attention captures you. Stop focusing on your fear and start focusing on your Father. That's the secret sauce. One of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest fears we have is losing control. Now, I can tell you as I've gotten a little bit of age on me, I'm not going to tell you my age, but I do have a double ARP card. But as I get a little bit older, one of the things I begin to understand is this. To be honest with you, we don't control squat. Just ask the folks who lost power last night in New York City, right? We don't, we, don't, we don't control squat. And when we begin to feel like my life, my life is getting out of control, here's what happens next. We look in the mirror and we think to ourselves, I feel like I'm going crazy. So I need some help in here because I'm going to raise my hand. Anybody in the house ever felt like they're going crazy? Come on, don't make me feel alone in here. Thank you, thank you. The rest of you, you may be crazy, okay? Because all of us in this house have felt like we're going crazy. Now, I got good news for you, and the good news is this. And I want you to write this down. I'm not crazy, I'm broken. I'm not crazy, I'm broken. Jared's broken, Ken's broken. I'm broken. The person sitting next to you, we're broken. This world's broken. 
And so the evil one tries to steal your peace through worry. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to steal your peace through worry. Worry is assuming responsibility that God never intended for you to have. i got to trust that my Father has everything under control. Number five, focus on the long term and not on the short term. Focus on the long term, not the short term. There's a very famous study from Harvard University that says the longer term your thinking is, the longer you think out, the more successful you're going to be. Now, we know that with retirement. We know that with other things in our life. But as as a follower of Jesus, we do long-term thinking. You know what it's called? It's called eternity. We live with eternity in mind. I took a philosophy class in college. I think I got a C minus on it. But one thing I learned in that class is this. Here's what really, here's philosophy 101. I'll save you the money. Here's what the purpose of life is. Life is preparation for eternity. Life is preparation for eternity. Brother and sister, you were creating the image of God. You can't stop existing any more than God himself will stop existing. We're going to live somewhere endless, dateless, timeless. So what you do with your one and only life It really does matter. This is training camp. This is boot camp. I don't know if you realize this or not. This ain't heaven. I know that's not good English. That's southern talk right there. This ain't heaven. This is earth. This is where God put us. You're going to go through some challenges in life. Check out what the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 17 and 18. For if we share Christ's suffering, we will also share his glory. I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared at all with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. I got news for you. You're not taking your car to heaven. I don't know how many people own a car, but you're not taking it to heaven. You're not taking your clothes. You're not taking your career. You're taking one thing to heaven, your character. Come on, y'all. We're taking our character to heaven. So what God does is he works on us now on our character. God is more interested in making me a man of God than he is making me comfortable. He's more interested in my character than my career development. This is boot camp. I need some help now. We know when we go to the gym, they always tell us, help me, no pain. That's true in life. God is working on us, which brings me to number six. Remind myself that God is good and God is in control. If I'm going to overcome fear, anxiety, worry, all these things, y'all, that really paralyze me, I've got to remind myself that God is good and God is in control. And really what this breaks me free from is bitterness. It breaks me free from bitterness. One of the places where we can find ourselves really begin to shrink into fear and insecurity and bitterness is on Instagram and on Facebook. Just Google sometime Instagram depression. Facebook depression is real because we got to understand something. When you're going on social media, you're looking at their highlight reel and you're living your blooper reel. Right? So it's easy to look and say, wow, look at all they're doing and Look at all they've got, and look how nice they look. And you look in the mirror, and you don't like what you see. And then we say these words to ourselves, life is not fair. You're exactly right. 
Life is not fair. Life is broken. In fact, I put up on the screen, I want you to grab this. Pain in your life is not optional. Misery is. Suffering in your life is not optional. Bitterness is. Life is not easy. Look at your neighbor and say, life's not easy. Just go ahead and remind them, life's not easy. Life's not easy. You've got to remind yourself every day that God cares about me. God cares about me. In fact, it says this in verse 32. You need to read Romans 8 this week. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave up Christ, also give us everything else? If God would give his son for you, don't you think he's going to take care of your college debt? Hey, thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Don't you think he's going to take care of your relationship issues and your anxiety? There's, there's no big problem to God. It's all small potatoes. And lastly, the seventh one deals with insecurity. I've got to trust that God will never stop loving me. That's powerful when you think about it. Because let's be honest, sometimes we have people in our life who struggle to love us. Sometimes we struggle loving ourselves. But I've got to trust in God. It's never going to stop loving me. I found this version of Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. I put it up on the screen. It's just powerful to me. I love the way it's written. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't. Life can't. Angels can't. Demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody slap their palms together and thank God for that verse, y'all. That is powerful. We've got a grandson. His name is Jack. And you've got to be careful if you, when you go to the airport with him because if you just scream out, Hi, Jack, you might get arrested, okay? You've got to be careful. But So I was out with Jack, and we were going to uh, Charlotte. We live right about, about 20 miles west of Charlotte. We were going to the Ringling Brothers Circus, and it was their, their final tour. Don't you love it when all these bands do their final tour? How many final tours have the Doobie Brothers done, right? I mean, I, it just blows my mind. Ringling Brothers is not finished, okay? They're just going to rebrand and take more of our money. But that's how they got me. Final tour. Well, we got to take our grandson. So we're walking in downtown Charlotte. It's nothing like Boston, but it's, it's a pretty nice size city. We're walking in there. I said, I said, Jack, please hold my hand, buddy. Hold my hand. Because a lot of people in Charlotte, North Carolina are smoking that wacky weed. And, you know, they can't really, they can't really drive. And in the south, they drink a lot of moonshine, y'all. So they're all over the road, okay? They're all over the road. And I said, son, you hold on to Papa's hand. Because these people are crazy out here. And so we're walking, and we're, we're walking along. And I noticed he was really gripping my hand. But can I tell you something, Jerry? He wasn't holding my hand. I was holding his hand. You know, sometimes we think, I'm just going to hold on to God. Hey, I would encourage you to do that. But even better yet, you need to realize God's holding on to you. God's holding on to you. Let's put our hands together and thank God he's holding on to you. You're not just holding on to him. Baby, he's holding on to you. And did you know that Jesus made a promise? I thank God for this promise, and nothing can pluck you out of my hand. 
nothing can pluck you out of my hand. The good news, brothers and sisters, if you're struggling with fear, insecurity, if you're going through anxiety, I want to guarantee you this, that Almighty God is holding your hand. I'm going to